coming up on See Here Love. Yeah, you know, there's that song lyric, it's better to burn out than to fa fade away. Hey, hey, my, my. <laughs> Um, and there seems to be like almost a celebration in the workplace of people who just give mm, more, and yeah. more and more and more and more and more and more. And then you climb up the ranks and it's better. And then you stop and think, how is that actually better for us? Well, welcome to See Here Love and what a show, Matt. Well, you welcome, first of yeah. all, to you. Hello, Melinda. I love the glasses. <laughs> Thank you, a new, a new edition. <laughs> Looks good. We're coordinated today, which I, I really like. I don't know how that happens, but we're, I know, it looks really we good. nailed it. It looks really good. Um, <laughs> really grateful you're here, especially as we have been working through here at Sierra Love a month of um, mental health. Yep. In our podcast, we're working through a lot of um, depression, OCD, ways to help you in your mental health. And now I'm really grateful that here on the men's <clears throat> panel, we're actually going there yeah. and talking about it. And I see art... And Chris here, welcome you guys. Hello, it's friends. been a while. Good to see you in this new year. Yeah, it has been. I know, it's been too yeah, long, it's to been be too here. long. Happy New Year, I know that we're kind of a month in, but it's it's really good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, <laughs> Happy, New Year. Happy, New Year. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And Matt, you've actually brought a, a friend. Yeah, another here. special guest joining us today. Uh, my good friend, Alicia Schaefer, she's a registered psychotherapist and the founder and director at Lotus Counseling Services. Uh, Alicia and her husband Chris are also really good friends to Bobby and I and so we're so glad Alicia, oh, nice. to have you here and to learn from your experience in education and everything you have to do around um, helping people through mental health mm -hmm. things and so Alicia welcome uh, thanks for yeah. being a part of the show today thanks for having me yeah it's good to have you it's sort of like a woman between the two men I know. Um, on on the screen <laughs> um, here's the thing what I you know here we are in this show on anxiety and burnout. Yep. And I know that we discussed, you know, earlier uh, about why this is an important conversation to have. I know my husband, Chris, uh, who's experienced um, anxiety and, and burnout, said this is really important, especially for men to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring you some stats before we, we, we kind of delve into why it's so important that we're talking about this. So I looked it up, anxietycanada.com says one in six men will experience anxiety in their lifetime but men still have half the reported rate of anxiety disorders as women. Yeah. Inter interesting stat for me as a woman hearing this. And then from Forbes.com, in a survey they did, uh, they said burnout is on the rise. Over half of the people they surveyed are experiencing burnout, 52% up from 43% last year. Uh, the number one group that's already burnt out even pre-pandemic Millennials mm -hmm. at 53%, and they remain the most affected population of burnout, uh, with about almost like 60% experiencing it today. However, Gen Z is neck and neck. So you've got millennials as one yeah. of the top groups of burnout, then Gen Z, and then us Gen Xers, Matt, we are steady at burnout. We've jumped up about 14% from last year, Gen Xers in burnout. So wow. these are big stats, yeah. big stats. So it's important. This conversation Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting better at having these kinds of conversations. Right. It's like becoming more normal to have it. And yet, even in just your stats there, there's still a thing, uh, a thing I believe for men where when we're maybe wrestling with stuff, we don't necessarily let people into that and get the help we need. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, from my side, as we were planning this out, I felt like this is such an important conversation for us to have um, because we need to continue to make it normal and okay to be not okay, <laughs> right, it's okay, right. you're not okay, yeah. you know, that kind of idea. And so I think it's important. Chris, Art, Alicia, why would you say this is an important conversation for us to be having today? And, and what's your thoughts about those stats? Yeah, and the stats. Are they surprising or not? <laughs> Art, why don't we start with you? Uh, no, not too surprising. Uh, men don't report things because we've, we've all grown up this kind of way to uh, protect ourselves and come off as strong and come off as capable and and not vulnerable every time you're hmm. you feel like you're suffering in any sort of way you, you want you got to buck up you got to man up like that's a saying you got to man up hmm. and do your thing right so they're not surprising to me at all yeah i would i would add to that that we've for some reason 
use the the term of priests of the home and all this sort of stuff to kind of add so that this way of like you there's no room for weakness hmm. and that's been passed down to us and we've been asked to pass that down to to our sons especially and to be able to have a conversation to say that this isn't weakness to actually keep it to yourself as weakness uh, is important the more we talk about things the more we normalize things the better we can all be um, in seeing each other and, and treating each other hmm. that's amazing Alicia, what about for you? I mean, obviously you're in this work, so maybe the stats don't surprise you, but why is it so important for us to have a conversation, especially with men, Alicia? Here we are as the women in sort of like parachuting into a conversation, a personal conversation with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think from a therapeutic perspective, it's important um, based on what Art and Chris were saying as well, because trying to get rid of or ignore, you know, your inner experiences of anxiety and burnout can actually exacerbate the problems that you're having. Um, and like uh, Matt was saying in the beginning of the show too, um, it, it kind of separates and segregates uh, people from their supports. Uh, if you're not talking about it, it can be very isolating. Yeah, so Alicia, as we're gonna start with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Today we're talking about anxiety and burnout, sure. but let's start with anxiety. So can you help us, you know, sometimes when we have, we toss out a term, everyone kind of comes up with a different idea of what that really looks like. So can you help give us a working definition? Um, what is anxiety and what would it look like? You know, what are some of those signs of anxiety just to help us all get on the same page? Mm -hmm. It's good. Absolutely, yeah. Um, anxiety is a tricky one because anxiety itself is a natural human emotion. Um, and so I think when we're talking about anxiety in the spirit of mental health, I think we're talking about anxiety disorders. So basically when your everyday anxiety experience crosses that threshold um, into a really impactful version um, of anxiety. So, you know, anxiety physiologically is there to help keep us safe. So we do need it. Um, it is the thing that, you know, stops us from taking um, risks um, and put, putting ourselves in danger. So, you know, there is a normality to the experience. Um, however, I, I sometimes use the metaphor of anxiety being like a fire alarm um, in the home. And, you know, in its truest form, the fire alarm is there to alert you of danger and tell you when you need to get out um, and leave. However, uh, if you're like me, I have a, a very sensitive fire alarm. So, you know, sometimes it'll go off if uh, <laughs> I cook toast too long or <laughs> yeah. if someone takes a really hot shower. Um, so, you know, what it's actually designed to do, it kind of goes above and beyond and it's telling you, you know, there's danger, there's danger. And it's really hard to ignore that because that's what it's there for. Um, but it's actually not kind of functioning as it should. It's going above and beyond. So when it, when it moves from a normal human emotion to like that disorder side, that's when your alarm is just going off mm -hmm. way too quickly and too often and maybe doesn't turn off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And if you even kind of consider what it would be like to live life with the fire alarm going on in the background, you know, it's distracting, um, it's exhausting, you will have a difficult time concentrating, uh, sleeping, you know, these are all symptoms of anxiety. And, and that's why I kind of like this metaphor, because I think it's a, it's a way to conceptualize it, that can kind of make sense. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, the, 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 fire like alarm? the fire alarm. That's good. I'll, right. I'll hang on to that. So Chris, can you tell us on the anxiety side, I know we're not putting you on the spot. I know we, we know we're going to have this conversation together. Um, and I appreciate, you know, to be honest, really appreciate your willingness to share your own story. Sometimes these are things that are hard to share. And so can you tell us a little bit about your kind of journey with anxiety? How did you first become aware that that was something going on for you? What did that even look like? Well, for starts, I'm going to steal Alicia's illustration and say that I came up with it on my own. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, not give her any credit for it, even though it's on television. Um, no, um, looking back on my life, it was something that I always had going on and I was very high functioning. So I was able to function at a high level hmm. and kind of keep it at bay. And then around the winter of 2016, I was working uh, at a college and I just felt myself getting shorter with people. I found myself sleeping a lot less. I found that I was worrying a lot more that the, the things that would be joyful for me worked 
And then I realized that I was having panic attacks and panic attacks were something I used to have when I was younger every now and again, or, or dizzy spells, um, as, my, as, my, as my granny would call them. Um, but uh, they started happening more, more frequently. And then one day I was at work and I was getting up to give announcements at a chapel and I had a full-blown full blown panic attack in front of an entire um, student body and staff members. And I knew what was happening at the moment. I, I was fully aware of what was happening, but you can't explain that when you're in the middle of it. And mm. from there was a, um, a long, a long three month process of doing some inner work and realizing that this is something that I've carried for a long time. This was un, unmentioned stresses. We talked about this earlier, like because you don't talk about them at the infancy stage, they right. grow and they grow and they grow. And so it was something that I've I've had to, I had to really work through from figuring out how to sleep, right. uh, how to how to have conversations, and how to be able to even look people in the eye. It was a long time where, at one point, my daughter, who at the time was maybe eight or nine, was talking on my behalf because I couldn't muster the ability to talk. I was so nervous about what I might say or what I might not say, and. Um, <clears throat> so even for your daughter, she was able to recognize kind of what's going on with dad. And was mm. and was helped. I mean, that's honestly such a beautiful uh, picture in some ways of just like that family unit holding each other in that moment, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It, it was. It was. You know, in something that you know, even now, I still can have moments where I feel it coming. I feel okay. I need to. I need to take a moment. I need to take a beat because it's always. It's always there lurking. And I love the again the illustration that I came up with and then gave to Alicia that she used <laughs> um, the illustration of the fire alarm. Uh, being off because it is annoying and it is exhausting and it's not only exhausting for you but it's exhausting for everybody else around you who might not even understand what's going on mm. and you can't function at the level that you're supposed to but and they can't understand what's happening in you and around you so it's, it's a lot um yeah. art alicia what are your thoughts as you hear as you hear chris art as you're listening to him what's coming to mind um number one just thank you for being honest with that and sharing that deep thing uh, experience that you had. I think many of us don't recognize that anxiety is something um, that is real. We, we think you can get over it, like just buck up again, right? Is that idea of just manning up, bucking up, get over it, mm. uh, get over yourself, you know, like, like you're capable, like just push through. I think uh, that vulnerability of uh, that picture of just having your daughter speak on your behalf, oh. what a humble yeah. place wow. that you had to <laughs> posture yourself like not having words that's amazing mm. thank you chris for sharing that mm -hmm. and alicia when you hear chris share uh what are your thoughts as as he's sort of processing and in, in his journey with anxiety well first off i think it's really impressive that he's able to share um about his anxiety at all um, you know, even just coming on to this show today, I experienced a bit of anxiety myself. And, um, you know, this is something that's a really big experience that you had. So, you know, good for you for being able to come out here and talk about it um, on an open forum like this. I think that that's, that's huge. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the things just with Chris's experience that he shared that's a really big component of anxiety and, and obviously a big component for Chris as well is, you know, how the anxiety impacts your life um, and the ways that it uh, will creep in. And, um, you know, anxiety and avoidance are, are kind of best friends. Uh, and, you know, when anxiety shows up, it can be really tempting and momentarily relieving um, to, to kind of step back, um, you know, and, and not go there. So, you know, one of the strategies that I employ with people is let's go there, uh, you know, in a supportive and therapeutic way. Um, so, you know, I think Chris, you, you've mastered the art of going there, which <laughs> is a really big oh, part of that. it. So good for you. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, you need to <laughs> Thank you. That's going there, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, something you just said, Alicia, stands out to me. I was recently just having a conversation um, with someone who struggles with anxiety, 
and the when you just mentioned anxiety and avoidance go hand, to, hand in hand, I hadn't thought of it like that before, so that was a great learning, because the conversation I just recently had, they were talking about struggle with anxiety, and that they would stay in their car and, and continue to drive around what was next for them, because they just had to avoid being there because of their anxiety, mm -hmm. and I hadn't put it together until just now, but uh, it just makes so much sense. It gives me more empathy to try to understand, because I don't think that's necessarily something I'm struggling with myself, anxiety, mm -hmm. but I have a lot of friends and family members in that zone, and yeah. I'm trying to learn how to love them well and relate to them, and, and that's why it's helpful to learn this way. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, and it's, it's not a good outing of me being what I'm gonna share, but I have been very short with people who have been anxious because I'm the kind of person like, let's get on with it. You can push through. Right. And, you know, kindness and care and listening and presence, you know, that's something I think what I'm hearing from everybody is what many of us need to do mm. when we have somebody who is struggling. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Chris? Like, it's not helpful for somebody to go, get on with it. <laughs> let's go. You know, like, yeah. like what Art was saying, like, you know, buck up. And yet our society and culture tend to be like, like, let's move on, we got lots to do, we gotta be productive, let's go. That's not helpful. Right. And I've had to really learn the hard way where people have been hurt by things I've said or tried to push them toward. Mm. Well, you know, I, just scrolling through scripture while we're talking, and we often, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. And I had people tell, that, tell me that all the time. And that's really, if it was that easy, yeah. If it was that easy to not be anxious about anything and taking a scripture about one thing and making it about another thing doesn't help. And, and understanding that some people just need a little bit more time for, like, it doesn't hurt 15 more seconds just to give somebody, just to give somebody some space. It doesn't hurt anybody. You're actually creating more loyalty and more care and more community by recognizing what's going on in someone's life. Because I understand it's no different than me telling my kids, we need to go to on the you need to get on the school bus right now. Right. We need to go right now. I get we all get in those moments, but then taking that beat and saying, Okay, now that we've done that, let's go back and fix what we've done. Because we don't know what's going on. Some, well, I know what's going on with my kids, they're lazy, but I we all know what's going on in someone's life when it's when it's um when there's something like that right. that's happening when, when it was me. It was so difficult at times because I wanted to. I wanted to be able to do everything that I would normally be able to do in that moment. And it's like running in a dream and your legs aren't moving as fast as you normally can and you know that you can run faster. It's a really difficult thing to process mentally and then to be able to live out physically. Yeah, mm. no, that's good. Well, I'm just going to take a little pause. This is a great conversation because I want to go to um, our special guest today, David Marvin. He's the author of We're All Freaking Out and Why We Don't Need To, Finding Freedom from Your Anxious Thoughts and Feelings. He's also the Young Adults Director at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas, and provides leadership of The Porch. It's a weekly gathering, get this, of like thousands and thousands of young adults through satellite locations. And I sat down with David to talk about his personal story of debilitating anxiety and advice on how to overcome your anxiety. So let's hear from him, and then I want to ask your thoughts on some of the things he said on his journey with anxiety. Here's David. For anyone battling with anxiety, I would encourage them to embrace their anxiety in order to face it. And here's what I mean by that. When I go to the mall, um, I never, you know, I just don't love malls, so I don't go very often. And when I park, I inevitably park on the wrong side of where I'm trying to get to. So I walk into the mall and I look for the last physical map in society, basically, which is that big like uh, kiosk. Yes, exactly. And I look for two things. I look for where I wanna go, so Apple Store or wherever. I look for where's that? And then where am I? Because knowing where I wanna go is only helpful if I know where I am. And I can have the goal of I want to get to the Apple store, but if I don't know where I am, if I don't have that little star, that X that says you are here, then I can't get to where I want to go. And I think for whatever reason in Christianity, we often discourage people from saying, yeah, say you're anxious about your housing. Say you're anxious about school. Say you're anxious about being single. Because in order to fight that and to face that, or in order to fight it, you've got to be willing to face it and embrace it. And so that would be to the person battling with that. And then the encouragement I'd add on top of that is to parents to help them identify and articulate and do what you were just doing, like, and maybe even playing it out with them. Like, what would happen if 
that happened or what would, because she may end up on an electric bike or she may end up that. And sometimes when you just are like, oh, yeah, I may, it kind of deflates some of that power and sitting in it and worrying about it's not going to help anyways. So Jesus is teaching on, you know, who can add to their life through being worried in general. And then the last encouragement I'd give to everybody is, it goes back to something you said, and that it doesn't go away on its own, but you can be practical and you can have a, a um, weaponry to fight on a daily basis, which is why Jesus ends his teaching. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got to enough. Focus one day at a time. Take it one day at a time. And in my front yard and in my backyard, um, I've got grass and I've got weeds. And for whatever reason, I am amazing at growing weeds in our lawn. I don't want them there, but they just, they pop up every year. And I've got grass that I always have to fight to like keep alive and fertilize. And what I've realized is that both of those things require the same thing in order to grow. They require sunlight, water, and soil. And primarily soil, you know, the same soil that grows grass, it also grows weeds. And if you don't get rid of the weeds, and this is going back to anxiety somewhere, I'm not just telling you lawn stories. If you don't get rid of those weeds, they'll choke out the grass. And that, in a lot of ways, there's so many parallels to that's what anxiety is like in our life. In other words, the same soil in which your fear grows and anxiety lives is the same soil that is required for faith to exist. Both of them require uncertainty. And it is possible on a daily basis to grow your faith in the same soil that for most people uncertainty grows. But because you've made the decision that I'm going to trust God this moment, right now, what he says, your faith is going to grow in the soil of uncertainty because they both share in common. They cannot exist. I mean, fear and faith without the unknown. And that's why some people are able to face the unknown and they do it and their faith grows and others do it and their fear is going to grow because unknown is all around us. But it is possible to make those daily decisions very practically to chase down those anxieties to choose to trust what God has to say about it and to trust his word in general. And when we do, your fear will grow in the same place that a lot of, or I'm sorry, your faith will grow in the place where a lot of people's fear will only continue to grow. Wow, Mel, that was, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was a great conversation with David. That idea that anxiety starts in the mind yes. and then leads into what if statements mm-hmm. about like, well, what if this happens? Yeah. You know, that's, Alicia, let's talk about that. The anxiety in the mind into what if statements. What would you say to that? What's your experience with that or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty common experience. The The mind is always appraising things. And, and as we talked about before, um, you know, anxiety is designed to keep us safe. So it's, it's kind of always looking out for danger, um, but also potential danger. So not just, you know, what's directly in front of you, but what could happen. Hmm. Um, and what we know is, is that our thinking impacts the way that we feel and ultimately what we do or, or how we behave. So, so there's a real connection um, between that thought process, those what ifs, um, and, and the physical experience of anxiety and, and then the behaviors related to anxiety. Yeah, and Chris, does that line up with your kind of experience, that, that what if stuff? Oh yeah, you know, he, for me it was, what if, if this person didn't text us me back when I was at a, a hard place of anxiety, what if they don't like me? Mm. What if I did something wrong right. and they're not telling me about it? What, what if I wronged them? And what if more people think I did that? What, and you start kind of playing, you know, Brene Brown talks about the story, the story that you tell yourself and you start telling that story over and over again. Right. And we'll, we'll quicker believe a lie than we will a truth over and over and over again and so if you're a people pleaser if you're enneagram nine <laughs> those of you who are friends of enneagram who want to make sure that everyone's happy around you that can that destroys everything every single time that what if is mm. probably one of the scariest questions um, that i had to, that i i had to deal with and i still deal with it to this day mm-hmm. mm. art what about you do you go through what ifs what do you think about that whole it start it starts in the mind yeah i, I totally think that's true like uh it, it's your core belief system. It's not even your beliefs. It's it's innate within you. It's something that rests inside you, and uh, it, it can so negatively affect your beliefs, and so negatively affect the ripple into your actions. And it all that stuff comes back and reinforces it all. And so 
you know, when you're dealing with some of these sort of really deep, deep issues, um, you can only see the negatives. Like with those ripples, just come back and they reinforce it. Yeah. And you're trying to get out, but you can't. And uh, I think it's so necessary for uh, to have people like Alicia and and uh, professional counselors, not even just good intention friends. Sometimes <laughs> those good intention friends are not helpful. <laughs> professional. Yeah, sometimes good intention friends Google the word anxiety, find a verse, and push it back to you. Oh my! Oh my! I don't yeah. think that's what that's we're looking for. No. That's why we have sure. Alicia here, oh, you yeah. guys. That's why we have Alicia here right. because Matt and I yeah. didn't want to be those good intention friends, no, just kind of right. giving you guys <laughs> advice. Um, now, the other thing too that Dave and I talked about is when he was going through his debilitating anxiety, what were the things that he had to do mm. that it was, I mean, it was hard to do. And he talked a lot about breathing exercises. For him, it was some scripture, it was other things. You know, his wife is a psychotherapist or counselor, so he had really close access. But um, I thought that was really important because he had some really practical things that helped him kind of get through. And he still has, you know, anxiety, but to get through. Uh, what would you say, Matt, maybe for you, I mean, you know, again, you don't have the anxiety disorder, but you've probably felt some anxiety yeah, yeah. in, you know, in your life. What are some things that you do when that happens? And then, you know, Chris, Alicia, are maybe some some tips and resources that have helped you if, if you've ever been anxious. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me that it may not tip over into how Alicia defined it before into the disorder side, but dealing with, we all have anxiety. It's yeah. that alarm bell. I love that idea. Um, and I do have, a, it's almost like I have my own script because tied with what you're saying, Chris, around the people pleasing side or, or what if people think this, I do have elements of that in me for sure too. If I don't hear back from someone or if mm -hmm. I maybe make a, a strong decision on something, I'm then worried about like, well, what if they're now not up, you know, happy with that decision? Yeah. What if, the, you know, I've lost their kind of commitment to our team or those kinds of things. And I have a working script that I go through to almost calm myself down and, and it's about just having some quiet, deep breaths, recognizing that it's not about that. I'm putting, it's almost like I'm putting too much pressure in that moment on that one mm, thing. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to step back, but, but that's just kind of my own internal, like mm -hmm. this isn't as big as you think it is, like kind of moment. Mm -hmm. um, so you're internally talking to yourself. I, I actually do that all the time, yeah. Okay, internally take talking a, take a Take a moment, take a breath, try to see things from a bigger perspective, not get zoned in and um, where it just kind of builds on itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, Chris, Alicia, Art, what what do you guys do when you're you're confronted with anxiety in your day? Well, for me, I one exercise is really important: being physical, moving around. Um, medicine is important, and I think that's a valuable mm -hmm. part to have in this conversation to yeah. say that if you need medicine, and if it's been prescribed by your doctor. Um, to use that. We would say the same thing for somebody if they were suffering from cholesterol or suffering from another sort of ailment. So if medicine is a part of the journey, then mm -hmm. using that. And then um, mentors. I've had great mentors who have kind of walked through this journey and who are on the other side of it. And to be able to say to them, this is what I went through a couple of days ago. What does it sound like? And you know, th their good intention is to say, maybe to talk to a counselor. Or maybe you need to go on a, on a one-day spiritual retreat. Or maybe you need to go for a walk. Or maybe you need to do two a days at the gym as opposed to one a day. Like those sort of things have been helpful for me. Yeah. Well, that's good. Very practical. Alicia? Um, I mean, there's a lot of tools that you can use. And, and we've already gone over um, a few great ones. I almost always start by helping people understand what is anxiety, how and and how they're experiencing it for themselves. Because one of the things in the beginning often of people's anxiety journey is not knowing what's going on inside them or not understanding or having a name for their experience. Um, so I do a lot of psychoeducation, that's what I call it, around, you know, what is anxiety, what's its function. Uh, physiologically, what's going on? How do you experience that? And there is something really, really powerful in the beginning about just being able to say, oh, there's that's anxiety or, or there's my anxiety showing up. Um, I know it seems like kind of a, a, a small thing, but I think it's a really important step. Mm -hmm. No, I, that, that makes so much sense to me. Giving words to what you're feeling and experiencing then helps you 
understand and, and be able to take the next step. If you don't even know how to describe it, that's been some of my experience with yeah. even family members, yeah. Now, Art, I know you've, you've walked with people who have had anxiety, uh, you mentor people. What has been your experience of, of helpful things that uh, people can do uh, when they're feeling anxious? Yeah, you know, I, I think I need to uh, re-emphasize that there, there is a difference between just dealing with anxiety and maybe something clinic, clinically diagnosed as a disorder, right? And so um, I work at SAIT in the Interfaith Center, and we have a great connection with our counseling office, and they often recommend people to us and we to them. And to recognize and know that uh, this is more than just dealing with anxiousness here. You, I fully applaud what Chris said earlier. Seek out medicine. That's fine. Seek out oh, diagnosis, understanding, all that stuff can't come on your own. You have to look for professionals. And in the early years, we as Christians uh, shied away from that stuff. We thought it was all hocus pocus. Hmm. We didn't actually, and 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 the psych, psychology world thought we were hocus pocus, right? So <laughs> we are combating with each other. But I, I think uh, to be able to recognize and see that what you're feeling is real. This, what's the statement uh, that goes around now is, I believe you. Like that's a major thing to help console someone. Just, I believe you. I believe what you're feeling, what you're going through. I believe you. Mm. It sets the weights down, right? So I, I listen a lot when people uh, share with me about their anxiety. I don't necessarily give a lot of answers. I don't necessarily have the answers, but just to listen, give them a place to vent, give them a place to share. And when I feel I'm out of my zone, I, I walk them down the hall uh, to my uh, counselors. No, yeah, that's, that's really, really good. good. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here listening and just, you know, because I know we we're going to be moving into burnout. burnout. I mean, yeah. these shows are, this is a huge show. But I think just listening to you, there's so much about listening. <laughs> and care and believing mm -hmm. and not pointing the finger and trying to have all the answers. But it seems like in this, it's, it's you know, I think as somebody who, uh, you know, I don't get anxious, but I have a number of people around me that are, and just, I, I've just learned a lot of mm -hmm. what I need to do uh, to support and to help. And the things that, you know, that we need, we need mentors, we need the Alicia's, we need medicine. You know, we need to say, I believe you. There's a lot of good, good things here that I'm really learning and taking in. And I think this is very helpful yeah. uh, for people who are saying, yeah, what can I do? But it's also very helpful for people who are like, I'm in it, but now I, I feel that I'm not alone. Yeah. This is not something that's going to isolate me and, and sideline me. But, you know, with Chris acknowledging it, speaking it out, speaking his truth, um, you know, there's, there's freedom in that. And it also helps other people. So, yeah. Excellent. I love this, you guys. Thanks this again. Was so, so yeah, good. thanks again, Chris, for sharing yeah. so openly about that. So let's let's make that transition yeah. to burnout. <laughs> so that's the things, two things we wanted to talk about today: mm -hmm. anxiety and burnout. So Alicia, again, can you help us just with a, a working definition around burnout? What is what? How would you describe burnout? What does it look like? How would we know if we've experienced that or, or in the middle of that? What would that be for you? How would you help us understand? So unlike anxiety, it's not um, really a mental health disorder, but more of a phenomenon or experience um, that people go through mostly in the workplace. So it's, it's best understood as chronic workplace stress um, that's kind of gone unmanaged. Um, and it was originally studied in the healthcare um, helping professionals um, and, and now is you know, understood to be across all professions, like no one is immune uh, to burnout, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, exhaustion is a big part of burnout, um, you know, negativity towards the, the workplace, um, becoming kind of cynical uh, about work and uh, reduced performance are, are the three commonly understood symptoms um, of burnout, but for anyone who lives it, they could tell you that there's probably a lot more to it as well. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt and I look at each other, I'm like, have I experienced burnout? Yeah, because when we were talking it? about this, I'm like, I think I've been down that road without naming it or knowing what it yeah. really meant or how it looks necessarily, but like having you describe it, Alicia, 
It, it feels like it, it pings a few things. I think, it's, I, think that's, I think a lot of people are watching and listening going, oh, wait a second, maybe that's what it was. I didn't have a name for it. Yeah. That's what I think it might be, Alicia. I think there are people that are in burnout, are heading towards burnout. They just don't know that's what it is. It could just be like, life's busy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm feeling yeah. tired, but I got to push through. But they don't know that they're on their way. Or but it, it's it. tied to workplace. Is, is that it, what you're saying? Is it burnout really workplace or can burnout be life burnout? <laughs> it can be. I think the the understanding kind of out there is that it's workplace and yeah. and there is the exception of um, being a care provider for family members that can also get um, put into that uh, cluster okay. as well of workplace stress. Um, but I mean, I'm sure we could burn out anywhere um, in life. Uh, however, the the kind of phenomenon of burnout was was originally geared towards workplace. Okay. okay. So Art, would you share a bit of your journey with us? Again, thank you for being willing to do that. Mm -hmm. um, how did that show up for you? How did you know you were experiencing burnout? What was your journey like? I had no clue I was experiencing burnout. It took a, a, a good friend of mine who was clinically diagnosed, saw counselors, and uh, and she came for a visit and said, Art, if you think uh, you're on your way to burnout, I have bad news. You're already there. Oh. She saw everything in me that she had struggled through and, and uh, all the stuff that I was going through. So... It, at that point, I took some time to do a sabbatical, which is probably the wrong time to do it. Like you got to do sabbaticals long before you burned out. And my burnout year for sabbatical was a wasted year. It did not help with anything. So my burnout, all those symptoms that uh, Alicia talked about, yeah, I was incapable to perform. Uh, I lost my confidence. I I uh, I couldn't sleep. I, I had no abilities to do anything like work-wise. Everything was a stress. He asked me to do the smallest thing. It became this huge stress. I can't, it's another weight I'm carrying. And uh, yeah, I just felt like a failure. And and that actually extended to my family life. I, I think my wife, thank God for a loving, caring, patient wife because she stood beside me, prayed in tears, for me, uh, asked people to come and visit me. I didn't have energy for people. It extended into my fam family life, like my personal life. I stopped doing the things I love to do. Mm. And uh, I didn't get joy out of playing guitar, worshiping, no joy in going to church, no joy in being with people. And if you know me, I'm all about people. I'm extroverted, extrovert. And an extrovert who's burnt out gets pretty freaking lonely. And so I was alone for a long time. And how did I even walk it through? I didn't, I ashamedly, I didn't go seek out people like Alicia. I didn't seek out any help. I just cowered into myself trying to do stuff and I did nothing and it did nothing well. And it just added more to that stressor. And uh, I, it, I don't think it took me probably from the time if I backdated, <laughs> I was probably burnt out a year before my friend saw me. And then that year of quote sabbatical was wasted. It took me another three years after that. So in total, wow. probably five years worth of being completely useless uh, in so many ways, useless. I felt useless as a husband. I felt useless as a friend. I felt useless in the church. I felt useless at work. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of just unable to do anything. Yeah. Wow. It was a tough day. All right, we so appreciate you sharing that. Um, what are our thoughts? Like how Alicia, uh, Chris, and Matt, as you listen to Art, what what comes to mind? What are your thoughts as as he shares, Chris? Um, just heartbreak and and empathy and Art. Thank you for just opening up your life to us that way hmm. and sharing like a five year journey. And, and and then some with us because uh, he didn't have to at all and um i hear that and i'm reminded of it was you know pastors used to say like it used to be it used to be a joy to burn out for jesus that's that was the lesson if you're going to burn out burn out for jesus and there's 
there's no help and no hope in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not the end. That shouldn't be the end of our story, but we've been taught for so long that that was what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And to work really hard and to you earn your rest at the end of your story. And it's like, no, a rest is a part of our rhythm. Rest is a part of our rhythm. And when that gets robbed from us, it leads into every other part of our life. And to hear Art kind of, you know, one, share how great his, his, his wife was, his mm-hmm. family was around him. Um, and then talk about the journey, him getting to where he is now. Um, if, if we were able to hug through screens, I would. But, <laughs> yeah, so. That's great. Awesome. Alicia, for you, when you hear Art, his five-year journey with burnout, what are your thoughts? I have to say I'm, I'm getting really caught up with the word useless, Art. And uh, I really, you know, the psychotherapist in me, wants to wants to challenge you to maybe uh, rename it it sounds like you were depleted um yeah. you know and and i i love the use of a good metaphor but you know a, a cell phone with no battery charge is like a paperweight right it, it doesn't function the way it's supposed to so um you know i i guess i i just kind of felt in my mind being like you were useless uh but you know i i understand and i don't mean to kind of invalidate your experience because i'm sure it felt very much like that at the time um yeah and and i mean again i think it's good that you're able to kind of own that story and and talk about it um because partially that understanding like you said came a year too late for you um and so that proactive approach to being able to understand like warning signs leading up to burnout and not, you know, when it happens when you're already in it uh, is really important topic as well. Mm-hmm. That's good. Matt, for you, as you're yeah, listening. I, oh, go ahead, Art. No, go ahead, Art, please. No, I was just going to say, Alicia, thank you for calling me out on that. There are still things that are are, are in me that I haven't uh, uh, forgiven myself or, or moved on with and... Uh, yeah, thank you for calling me out on that word. I I don't believe I'm useless. I don't believe I was useless. That was just a feeling mm. of the time, right? So thank you. That's yeah. Good. Matt, as you're listening, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, there's that song lyric, it's better to burn out than to fade, fade away. Hey, hey, my, my. <laughs> um, and there seems to be like almost a celebration in the workplace of people who just give mm. more, and yeah. more and more and more and more and more and more. And then you climb up the ranks and it's better. And then you stop and think, how is that actually better for us? Yeah. You know, and we're, I'm, we're aware of new legislation that's coming into play. I don't know if it's gone through yet about like, you can't uh, reach out to your employees after certain hours. Yeah, that, that's what sparked okay, me. Okay, did you like, just say, I know, and my team is going, Melinda, listen up. Yeah, Mel, stop calling me. <laughs> stop calling me and texting um, me at like 11 p.m. <laughs> but I think that is in, in reaction to um, mental health things yeah. going on, a sense of like, you always have to be on, you never have personal time and it's just overwhelming and so, Art, I just thanks for sharing just th- those thoughts. I, I, I guess what sits with me is is the length of time it took for you. Yeah. Um, that there's no quick fixes in this stuff. It's not, and what's what's one person's experience doesn't necessarily um, isn't necessarily the same for the next person. And so again, that sense of empathy and compassion, and allowing people to be in their own pace. And your wife has you know modeled that in such a beautiful way as she's walked with you. Like I guess those are the things that stand out to me about about just. Um, allowing people to be in their space and helping them where they're at, not trying to fast forward it or, because five years is a, is a long time, but that's what it required for you to be a healthy version, a full version of yourself, Art. So I, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing yeah, so openly. Well, I, I think it would have been a lot less if uh, I would have saw someone professional like Alicia. Right. Yeah. It would have helped a lot, uh, you know, to be able to get through it. I, I tried to suffer by myself and go through it by myself being s- proud and strong and hmm. you'll get through this. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the right way. I would do it differently. Yeah. 100%. Hmm. That's good. I want to have, um, you know, a thoughts and conversation, you know, at the end of the show, but I want to go right now to my husband, Chris, who uh, has struggled with anxiety, who was, you know, experienced burnout. And he's going to come uh, into the show at, with the good word and talk about First Peter 5, 7 and share his experience and how the scripture uh, can help and support us through burnout hmm. and through anxiety. So here's Chris. Well, thanks, guys. What a great discussion this is today. 
You know, I've had my own experience, uh, my own journey with anxiety and depression and burnout. And to be completely honest, like it was one of the toughest times of my life. But when I look back on it, I, I reflect on how I was always fixated on this verse uh, from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, <laughs> a lot of us will read that and we'll come to a verse like that, especially when we're in crisis or especially when we're feeling overwhelmed. And maybe we think, hey, this is going to fix it all. If I cast my cares on him, it'll all be okay, right? That's well, not what this verse says. This verse says, cast all your cares on him, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And here's what I think. Here's what I think happens when we do this, when we, when we move our anxiety from that quiet, secluded place in our heart or in our mind or wherever we carry it. Uh, and we, we relocate it. We relocate it into the open. We relocate it into a space where, you know, the shame of it can no longer hold us down, where the, the embarrassment or maybe some of that pride that creeps up as a, as a man, like, I can't be struggling right now. I need to be strong. I need to be whole. I need to be healthy. When that stuff comes up against us, if we can take it and relocate it and cast our cares on him, then we step toward freedom. You know, I want to encourage you today, wherever you are and however you are doing at this time, um, if you need to talk, um, I would encourage you to reach out, reach out to your community. And if you're in crisis, a quick Google search on your phone, a quick Google search on your computer, resources and supports near me for mental health will yield a whole host of support. You know, we can cast our cares on him and it might not be a quick fix, but it can be the first step toward healing and wholeness. And that's a good word. Thanks, Chris. It's, um, it's always good to have your thoughts. You're a gift to our <laughs> men's shows. Uh, love you, brother. Let's do some wrap up thoughts. What would you say to um, people who are experiencing anxiety and burnout, find themselves in that place? What would be your kind of last comments here? Chris, can we start with you? Um, I would just quickly say, remember the cross, remember confession, and remember community. Mm. Jesus is here. Talk it out, and don't do life alone. Hmm. Mm. How about you, Art? Good. I'm going to pick up on that, don't do life alone, and uh, I want to shout out to my wife again. Mm. Uh, she gave me space. She gave me grace. And uh, I think instead of speaking to those who are going through things, I want to speak to those around the people going through things give them space, give them grace, wow. uh, be the truly Jesus in their lives where you love them unconditionally and uh, not expect things out of them. Mm. That's what I would say. Yeah. So good. Alicia? Um, my final thought would be just to consider that your emotional, physical, and psychological energy is a finite resource and one that needs to be recharged and can be depleted. Um, you know, you're, you are definitely not alone. Um, so take care of yourself and uh, make sure you charge your batteries. Yeah, oh, that's, that's good. good. Thank you. And Matt, for you, as you were listening, uh, it's a great conversation as you were listening, what would be sort of your takeaway and encouragement to somebody today? Yeah, I think Jesus says, I've come that you may experience life to the full. And sometimes we always equate that with a measure of like cultural success, mm. but that's not the fullness that we experience in Jesus and being in tune with our spiritual lives, our physical, emotional, mental, that's about Jesus can bring all those things into a, a sense of harmony and oneness. Mm -hmm. And so it's about inviting Jesus into those places where we're experiencing brokenness and inviting him to be a part of that journey towards wholeness. And that's what Jesus wants to do, so even in our mental health. So I think it's so important. Good. I'll be honest, I feel actually emotional because I think as you guys were talking, I actually felt just the pain of so many people that are experiencing burnout and anxiety today and how lonely they are mm. because they're not in community, because they don't have a Karina, a great wife like Karina who is giving space, who are too scared to see an Alicia and are not in a church community like, you know, Chris, you know, sure. that Chris was a part of. And I, and I just feel... I feel, I feel their pain. Mm. And so my hope in this show is that this will be a really helpful resource and encouragement, uh, one that would encourage somebody to take that first step to call 
to ask for help, to share their story with somebody, mm. because I know that there's a lot of, and we can go into another show, but there's a lot of shame um, in these kinds of conversations with mental health, especially with men. Yeah. And so I think for me as a woman, and Alicia, I think you can agree, why I'm bringing this conversation to the men's panel is to encourage men to speak, to share, uh, to get help. Yeah. Because it's not something of weakness, it's actually something of great courage when you do share. It's something of great courage when you open your arms and invite somebody in. It's great courage to sit and listen and to be empathetic, uh, to, to go to a psychotherapist, to get the medicine from the doctor you need. It's courage. It's not weakness. And so I think I just wanted to, to share that. And I love the Jesus part. You know, like what Chris saying, the cross, you know, uh, and community, um, communion, all of those things. So thank you all so much. Yeah. Uh, it really has meant a lot uh, for you to share. To Alicia, thank you as a special guest expert for bringing your expertise and wisdom to us, for art, for sharing, and for gushing about your wife. I love when that <laughs> happens on the show. Karina, I know her. She's an amazing woman. And that's what makes me emotional uh, because I know her and I can see how she journeyed with you for five years. Hmm. And so that's, thank you for that. Chris, thank you for sharing about uh, you know, your diagnosis and your daughter, really inspiring. You know, we're cheering you on, brother, yeah. in, in, in your life and what you're doing. And Matt, uh, thank you. Thank you for yeah, it's a great, we needed facilitating a conversation. conversation. Yeah. So thank you. <clears throat> uh, to you, our viewers and listeners, I hope you were inspired. I hope you were encouraged. Uh, we've got resources on our website at seeherlove.com for you uh, to help you. Make sure you check out Alicia's uh, website as well that will be on our website. And as you journey through burnout or you're in burnout, anxiety, depression, and stress, I, I, I say this always at the end of the show, but even more today, know that you are known by God. You are seen. He sees you. You are heard. Your cries of desperation and loneliness are heard and you are loved by him. So thank you so much for joining us. Mm. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mom. It's good. Thanks, Mom. See Here Love thanks our partners who make this show possible. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.